chapter number 10. And we're in a series entitled Kindness. And this is what we're calling an all-together series. By that I mean all together, all age levels. Right now, if you have children in kids' ministry, they're listening to the same verses and the same lesson, the same subject is being taught to them this morning, as is high school, middle school students. So across the campus, it's an all-together series. So at lunch today, dinner tonight, driving your kids to school tomorrow, would you have a conversation about kindness? Talk about the lesson. Talk about the message. Unpack it as a family, and you'll notice in the Westover app for all of our life groups, our life groups are joining us in a series in kindness. And this weekend, I want to talk about how kindness overcomes wrongs. Kindness will overcome wrongs. There's a lot of wrongs in our society. There's a lot of stuff that is offensive to the Holy Spirit. And how are we going to respond to it? How, how do we fight back in this era of of such conflict and, and demagoguery and hate and rage in our society. I want to suggest to us kindness will overcome the wrongs. Earlier this year, Starbucks closed 8,000 of its locations to do an afternoon of what they called sensitivity training. That is to say they felt like that their employees had drifted from having the culture and practicing the culture they intended in their stores and their locations. You know, it's easy to drift. It's easy to say we want to be kind, we want to be Christ-like, but today on social media there is so much hate in the evening news than the politicians and our society and people shaking their fist at you on the freeway and the, 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 the stress and the problems, the distress, the rage, the hate. The, the, the racial tensions that's going on in America. It just seems like that there is a spirit of conflict and hate in America today, and culture is going one direction, and it seems like somehow we can't stop that. I want to suggest to us that kindness is what God intends for us to do and God intends for us to practice. I ask you rhetorically, is your, is your frustration Tolerance high or low? Do you come into church and sing and worship and celebrate and you quote verses of God's peace, but then you get in the freeway in the morning and traffic's backed up and that person in front of you is not doing what they want, should do, driving and they're cutting you off and that coworker uh, messed things up and that, that coworker didn't do this and didn't do that and we just let all of that hostility kind of get into our spirit. And we even have language for today. We say we're hangry, you know. We don't have a bad attitude. We're, we're hangry. And hangry people waiting for their meal to come, are playing angry birds. I mean, we're just caught in this, this conflict and this rage all the time, and it seems like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. My wife, when she does laundry at the house, she has a fabric softener she pours in the laundry so that the clothes and the towels and all the clothing will come out and be softer. Don't you wish they had something like that you could pour in your coworker's coffee in the morning? 
Do you wish that there was some kind of softener, attitude adjustment you could pour in the oatmeal or pour over his eggs in the morning and it would just make a difference in his tone of voice, in his attitude? Kindness. God intends that we live and we practice kindness. And I'm going to share something with us. Kindness is the door to a life of influence. Kindness is the door to a life of influence. If you want to distinguish yourself as being different, if you want to open up doors, try being kind. I tell people today, it's easier to witness for Jesus than any other day. All you've got to do is be kind, and people know you're different. Just be kind in the workplace. Just be kind to the customer. Just be kind to your employer. Be kind to your employee. Just practice kindness, and people will see God in your life. And kindness will open the door of influence for us. With that in mind, join me in Luke chapter number 10. We read the entire story. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. We read the entire setting last week. We're not going to read the whole setting. We're going to focus on just two verses. But let me set the scene if you were not in service with us last week. What is the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, most people believe it's a parable. Some scholars, however, do not believe it's a parable. They believe it's actually a, 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 an incident that occurred and Jesus was quoting. Because usually when Jesus gives us a parable in the Scripture, it says, and Jesus spoke a parable unto them, saying. But you'll notice in Luke chapter number 10, he does not use that verbiage. So some scholars believe this actually occurred. We're not certain. But the setting is a Samaritan was in Israel. And to understand this, you've got to realize the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. There was racial, ethnic discrimination. Wow, does that sound familiar to us today in our culture here? Yes. That the, the Jews thought the Samaritans were, were second-class citizens. And, and the Samaritans thought the Jews were being judgmental. So there was hostility. They did not get along. There was racial prejudice and discrimination between the Jews and the Samaritans at this particular time in the Bible uh, setting. Let me just say parenthetically, like right here, the Bible is against prejudice in all shapes, form, and fashion. Christ followers should exemplify the kindness and the grace of God, and it doesn't matter what color, ethnic background somebody is. It doesn't matter whether they're on the social level, economic level. God cares for all people, and we should treat all people with dignity and respect, and Christ followers should lead that. In the story, a man leaves from Jerusalem, and the Bible says he goes down to Jericho. Geographically, it's correct. I've been on that road. You go down towards Jericho. On the road, he was accosted by bandits. He was beaten up, robbed, and the Bible said left half dead. Well, coming from Jerusalem was a priest and a Levite, and they saw the man, didn't want to get involved, didn't know what's going on, just passed and went on their way. And then the Bible tells us that a man from Samaritan, from Samaria, went down, the Samaritan 
God involved, and that brings us to our scriptural setting. And remember, there's hostility between the Jewish people and the Samaritan. And with that in mind, let's begin to read Luke chapter 10, verse number 30, and then we'll jump down to verse number 33. Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and when he was attacked by bandits, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Verse number 33. I'm going to break verse 33 down into three points on kindness today. Let's look at it. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. The despised Samaritan, who, who, who was despised by the Jewish man, by the Jewish race, he saw the man and he felt compassion for him. There are three quick thoughts I want to share with you from verse 33 on kindness. Number one, courage is the fuel for kindness. Courage is the fuel for kindness. Notice verse 33 again. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Now when you read that in the English Bible, there's something we, we really don't see. The New Testament was written in Greek, and there is something in the original language that doesn't really come through in the English Bible. It simply says in that phrase, the despised Samaritan, he came along. But in the original language, in the Greek language, there is a redundancy, a redundancy. It really could be translated into English like this. The despised Samaritan, he came along and then he came closer. There's a redundancy in the original language. He came along, and then he came closer. It's talking about he got involved. I'm talking about courage is the fuel for kindness. We often say of a sports figure, or a team they may be playing, and on this particular game, it, it might have been a defensive player, an offensive player, just was, was, was on his game that day. I mean, made extra points, went the extra mile. He was the turning point, the turning uh, uh, player in the, the team winning. And we'll often say, you know what? He really showed up today. We know what that means. That he plays every game, but that particular game, he just went above and beyond. He showed up in a way he made a difference. That's the idea what the Bible is teaching us here. That the Samaritan, he came along, but on this day, he really showed up. He really showed up. And the Bible is teaching us here that I, I believe is what it's saying. It takes courage. For you see, the Samaritan, when he came along... He could have easily said, I'm not getting involved. If I get involved, there's hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. They'll blame it on me. I may be accused of the person that beat him up. They know there's hostility. Somebody will point the finger to me. The best thing I can do is get out of here and protect myself. But he had the courage to show up in the moment. And I suggest to us, that's what God intends for us. Courage is not found Courage is forged. Courage is not found, it's forged. And in the workplace, 
in your family, in your situation, there is a moment that courage can make the difference by, by you showing up in kindness. But some of us were saying, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not going to get involved, I'm not going to say anything. And there's a moment in which we need to speak up and we need to make a difference. I'm not talking about the kind of courage that's rude, brash, in your face. It's not that kind. It's not that macho, intimidating somebody else courage. It's that poise. It's that self-control. It's, it's that dignity of standing up in the moment and saying to your coworkers, saying to the family, we're not doing this. It's the ability to step in a situation, not surrender and acquiesce to the conflict or the office culture that's going around and saying, I will make a difference today. In America, Christ followers, the Holy Spirit wants to deputize us that we can show up with courage against the headwind of culture, of always arguing, debate, and conflict, and insult, getting on social media, and raging, and yelping, and insulting, and counteracting, and just having an opinion on everything. Can I say something? Believers, we need to walk in the Spirit on social media. Walk in the Spirit. Have the courage to not just spit out insults and treat that coworker or treat that employee the way, with the way that we might normally do it and is standard in our culture. It takes courage to stand against kind of the common culture of this day. And courage is the fuel for kindness. Oh, he came along, he was despised. He said, I, 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 he could have easily excused himself and no one would have blamed him. But he got involved. And I want to invite every one of us as Christ followers. There's a moment for us to step up and get involved. Number two, conscience is the source of kindness. Conscience is the source of kindness. Notice what it says in verse 33. And when he saw the man. That's put in there intentionally by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, to teach us. God's, God's teaching us something. He came down the road and he saw the Jewish man beaten up. And this is deposited here because it reminds us that our conscience is the source of our kindness. There is something God's put within every one of us, and it's called conscience. You have something, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the, the fish and reptile kingdom does not have. God puts something in you that's different. It's a part of his nature, and it's called conscience. In conscience, we discern right from wrong. In conscience, we discern what is the good thing, the right thing, and what is the wrong thing? Now, some of us are taught in school. It's an evolutionary process, and, and, and you, you came from a gorilla. Can I tell you, don't believe that because the animal kingdom doesn't have what you were born with. And here's how the evolutionists uh, respond to that and rebuff this. They say that conscience is a learned thing. It's not a learned thing. It's innate. It's inside of us. You take two kids, 
Two kids that can't even spell their own name correctly yet. You take two four-year-olds, sit them at a table. You give one four-year-old one gummy bear. You give the other four-year-old six gummy bears. The one with one gummy bear will say, that's not fair. At four-year-old, they can't even write their name. They can't remember their phone number. They know right from wrong. It's innate. Why? Because God put that within our being. That's a part of God's nature in us. God has given you and I conscience, and conscience guides us. It is the source of kindness. There are moments that God's going to speak to you, somebody in the workplace, a family member, a brother-in-law, a neighbor will say something, do something. Maybe they'll say it in a rude and a cutting way. Maybe they'll say it in an insulting and a demeaning way. And all of a sudden you pick up on it. That's not right. They shouldn't say it that way. That's your conscience. Every one of us, we have a dashboard. And the internal dashboard. And there are gauges and there are warning lights. It's in your conscience. And it'll go off and it'll tell you that's not right. Oh, every one of us have said something. Every one of us have done something. Every one of us had vented. Every one of us have got too angry over something, got too upset. We reacted. Every one of us have done something like that. And we might deny it and we might excuse it. But on the inside, the internal dash light, it's gone off. Your conscience told you you shouldn't have and you, you overstepped the boundary in that area. That's your conscience. And I suggest to us, conscience is the source of kindness. And every one of us have the ability to respond and act kindly in situations if we'll let our conscience speak to us, if we'll let our conscience talk to us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29, here's what the Bible says. Don't use foul or abusive language. I'll come back to that. Let's go on. Let everything, not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not just the people you like, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear it. In other words, the Holy Spirit listens to everything I say. The Holy Spirit hears when I lose my temper. The Holy Spirit is there when I'm impatient. He hears what I say to my coworker. He hears what I say about the person behind their back. The Holy Spirit knows that. And the scripture here tells us, let no foul or abusive language ever be spoken. And right now I want to speak to every Christ follower in this room. You know Jesus. Christ is your Savior. I want to call by the authority of God's Word, I want to call every Christ follower to never use bathroom language. What am I talking about? If it's something that happens in the bathroom, you don't use it as an adjective to describe your mood or your opinion on anything. Don't drag 
bathroom language out in conversation with coworkers, that obstinate cousin, your friend, your relative. Let's be different. Let no foul or abusive language. Dads, dads, you were raised probably by a father when you did something wrong. Your dad may have said to you, well, don't be stupid all of your life. I'm going to challenge you. Don't speak that curse over your kids. Don't speak the word stupid, idiot over your kids. That is abusive language. And I call every dad here that we were raised and we heard that and we thought that's just the way a dad talks and sets down the rule so they'll know how I feel about it. There are many other words in the dictionary other than stupid or idiot that you can teach and train your children in the ways of God. We don't have to use abusive language. Now, I didn't expect to get many amens at that moment, but... <laughs> I still think it was worth saying, okay? Why? Because conscience is the source of kindness. God will talk to you in your conscience. God will speak to you. And if you use words and language that offends the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how long you've been down that path. You can change, and we need to change. Number three I share with you about, about kindness. Compassion. Compassion is the reason for kindness. Compassion is the reason for kindness. Courage is the fuel of kindness. Conscience is the source of kindness. But compassion is the reason of, uh, for kindness. Look at verse 33, that last phrase. He felt compassion for him. Now, kindness is different from being polite. Nothing wrong with being polite and having manners. But you know, we can be polite and have manners and put on a face. You can be polite and have manners and not be kind. You can, you can have abusive and foul language and still come across as being polite and nice at the workplace with others. And then you take that, that behavior home, that inappropriate behavior, and share it with your family. But Scripture is telling us here, Scripture is telling here, compassion, compassion is the reason for kindness. If we're going to truly be kind, this, it comes from a heart of compassion. Kindness comes from compassion. Kindness comes from compassion. KFC, kindness from compassion. Just remember that, okay? KFC, kindness from compassion. You say, I can't be kind. Yes, you can. It's a heart issue. And when our hearts are touched and moved with compassion, yes, we can be kind. Christ followers, we're, to be, we're called by Jesus to be different. This is a, a day in social media or texting. We use emojis. There's a whole menu of emojis you can use today to express your mood, attitude, and your feelings. Yes. 
It's moved a long way from just having a smiley, hasn't it? You can put a mad face up there and you can put a devil face with horns and you're, you know, you're out to get somebody. Uh, I was communicating with somebody, I think it was on Facebook here recently and putting a, uh, on, a on the handheld device was putting a emoji and my big old thumb pressed the wrong emoji. <laughs> yeah! And I, I, I put a, I put a mad face on there, and I didn't know how to erase it. So I said, that was, I don't know what happened. Denise was using my device, and <laughs> that's, that's not me. It's my wife. It's not, it's not me. I mean, I didn't mean to do that. And then you have the, the fist pump that have come out. You see the fist pump? When the fist pump emoji first came out, I thought somebody wanted to slug me. I thought, oh, my goodness. They're upset at me. Denise better answer the door if they come over. Uh, she better filter this moment. I ask you, I ask you, what kind of emoji are you in the workplace? Could the Holy Spirit use you and I as his personal walking, living emoji in the workplace, in the family? What kind of emoji do you want to be? What do you want to be known for as a dad? The dad that lays down the law and he was tough. What kind of coworker do you want to be known for? What kind of employer and employee do you want to be known as? You see, we are God's walkie emoji. And we are to take God's presence in the character of Jesus everywhere we go. And we can be different. You say, how? How? Well, let me just add this one way. And it's for every one of us, self-included. Prefer others. Prefer others. Put others first. I know it's, it's easy to put ourselves first. And I do things just to remind myself I'm not first. Okay, I do things. I, at, at church events, I, I never let anybody put me in the front of the line. I just don't, I don't do that. I, I, I don't have a parking spot with my name on it. I park in the gravel. Why? Because I want you to have my parking spot. I, I, I'm going to prefer you. There's things we need to do. It's not always about us. Somebody has to go to a movie. Does it have to be your way? Or you pout or you won't go? I don't want to see that. I, I don't want to sit through that. My wife, she likes, she likes those love stories. Yeah. And one of her favorite, one of her favorite is You've Got Mail. We have watched that so many times. You've got mail. And she's had to train me. I, she said, you run it for me. Because we'll say, oh, come on. Now, how, could they really come? You know, I will start analyzing it. And I've learned to just sit there and just, oh, <laughs> isn't that darling? Isn't that darling uh yeah yeah we prefer others how about getting rid of the me and put more we there 
kindness. Yeah. Somebody wrote, I did a favor yesterday. It was a kindly little deed. And then I called to all the world to stop and look and heed. They stopped, they looked, they flattered me in words I cannot trust. But when the world had gone away, my good deed turned to dust. A tiny courtesy I found to do today was quickly done with none to see, and then I ran away. But someone must have witnessed it, for truly I declare, as I walked back the stony path, roses were blooming there. Yes. Do you know kindness? Kindness will plant the seeds of grace. Kindness will change things. Kindness is the door to influence. I, I, I want to change marriage vows. The, the couples, I, I'll be marrying a couple in a few weeks, just married a couple the other day, and it's always, well, you love, honor, and cherish. And they say yes. They don't know what they're saying yes to. <laughs> they really don't. She hasn't smelled his socks yet. Uh, I mean, they, they, they're so naive. But I will tell you this, love will stay, and, and you'll go through seasons if you can just be kind. And sometimes kindness takes you through seasons when you don't feel as in love as you want to feel. But if you'll just be kind, it'll take you through because compassion, compassion brings about kindness and that heart of love will come out express it and there's some of us here you need to know that you're caught you're you're at, you're at a deadlock you're you're at a place in your marriage where it's it's not what you want it to be and you don't know what to do and you've protested and you've withdrawn can i invite you give massive doses of kindness and it can take you out of that dark season I want to share a story with you. Stephen Covey writes in one of his books. He writes about an incident that happened on, in New York City on the subway. I'm talking about we can learn, we can obtain kindness. He said he got on the subway. The doors open, shh, moves in, sits down. The subway went down to another stop. The doors open, shh. A family comes in, a dad with children, doors closed, and they're on their way. This was the day before handheld devices, so people were not on their handheld devices. People were holding newspaper and magazines. Stephen Covey says there's some people were leaning back and they had their eyes closed, just trying to doze a little bit, kind of getting ready for the morning. He said he was sitting there, and this man's kids were obviously, obviously not well behaved they were running back and forth in the subway car making noise playing tag and they would brush up against people and step on their newly polished shoes bumping into them sometimes the newspapers and the people were clearing their throat and ruffling the newspaper trying to tell the dad take care of your kids Stephen Covey says he said it came upon me I'm going to speak up for obviously everybody in the subway car and just bring this to that dad's attention so he said to the man sitting near him sir don't you think these children need a little attention and they're 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 kind of bothering people could you just 
handle that, please. And the, the dad kind of woke up out of, a, out of a daze. And he said to Stephen Covey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. We've been in the hospital all night long. And early this morning, their mother passed away. These kids don't have a mama anymore. And the kids have been in the vigil in the hospital waiting to spend their last time with mama. He said, I guess I wasn't paying attention. Stephen Covey said in that moment, he said all of the judgment just, just, just drained out of him. And instantly, he was infused with, with compassion. His perspective changed in a moment. He said, he asked the dad, I'm so sorry, what can I do to help you? And then all of a sudden, those kids that were annoying him, he said, I just wanted to hold them and tell them, it's all right, just be a kid. What am I trying to say? Kindness can come in your life. And you're at a point and you say it can't and you don't feel it anymore. It can. You have an ally called the Holy Spirit and he can flood your heart with grace, love, and kindness. Yes, he can. And the, the resentment, the hurt, the anger, the unforgiveness, the pain, he can release it. He can take that out of your heart and he can flood your heart with a new sense of compassion and kindness. And that's what I pray for you. And that's what I am going to pray for you today. And I believe there are people in this auditorium right now, you have a coworker. You don't know what they're going through. You may be the only Jesus emoji they'll ever see. You can be that for them. You have a brother-in-law. He's frustrated. You'd like to pull his hair out. But he, he may be connected with you, and you can make a difference in his life. And if you make a difference in his life, you may rescue that marriage for your sister, and their, the kids would be raised with a different kind of a dad. There's somebody in your circle of friendship, instead of getting back at, I'm going to call you to be kind to. I'm going to call you to be kind to those kids. You have stepchildren in the home and you feel like you've gone the second mile. You've done your duty. And you said, I've done all I can do. And they, will, they won't call me their real dad. And they remind me I'm not their real dad and you've closed the door, I'm going to ask you to open that door again. And I remind us, I remind us Jesus was raised in a home with a stepdad. Joseph was his stepdad. You can be a difference maker. And those stepchildren, embrace them. They, they may be adjusting to the home. You don't know what's going on in their heart, but I'm going to ask you, Mom and Dad, for those stepkids, be kind to them. Kindness will win the day with your own kids.
There's, you rarely get ahead by shouting and arguing the kids down. Raising your voice to a higher level rarely makes the point and is never a teaching skill we should use. I'm going to invite you to be kind. I'm going to invite you to practice that kindness and live that kindness this week because God's going to send somebody in your life. They're hurting and they need kindness. And how you're going to know it this week is they're going to annoy you. they annoy you I'm going to call on the Jesus in you to respond with kindness can I pray with you now Heavenly Father I believe the Holy Spirit is seeing the unadvertised needs in this auditorium it's between parents and and adolescents it's between a parent and a stepchild things have just have kind of escalated and profound differences have been created in the home I, I, I pray God for that home I pray for that marriage that that unmet needs have brought abrasiveness and things have been said hurts have been hurled and, and hearts have been wounded the source to hear that is heal that is kindness. Sometimes it's hard to be kind when we hurt, but if we will just respond in kindness, it opens the door for healing and reconciliation to take place. I pray for kindness to be returned to homes. I pray in America that civility and kindness will come back to America. It seems like we've lost it. It seems like on social media, in the workplace, the school, the playground, the office, the shopping centers, it just seems like we're in a day where hate and insult and criticism is just is ruling the day. But with Christ followers, we can be the salt and light in our generation. And I pray, God, that we will not take a retaliatory get even and settle the score mentality but we will be clothed with kindness. And our words and our thoughts, our verbiage, the language we choose, the tone of voice we use, it will be seasoned with God's grace and kindness. I pray that, God. I pray that we will be your example. I pray for the West Overhills family that even when we step on this campus, it's easy to come to church and walk down the hallway and not speak and not recognize, just go about our business. Heavenly Father, baptize. Baptize this church with kindness. Baptize this church with kindness. Let us, let us be kind to people in the parking lot, in the hallway. Let us be kind. Lord, let us baptize our campus with kindness. We don't know the person and the wounds they carry when they come on this campus, and they need to see Jesus in us immediately. Pray, God, make us aware of that. I believe that courage is going to be the fuel for our kindness. Our conscience will be the source, but compassion, compassion will actually generate kindness in our life. And I pray that for every believer. I pray that for the Westover family. I pray that for families here. Let us live. 
this quality of the Holy Spirit, kindness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And you have homework now. Here's your homework. Be kind to people. Be kind in the restaurant today. When you drop off your kids at school tomorrow, be kind to the educators. Be kind to if to people you meet. Be kind to your coworker. Be kind to your family. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord.